0: Christos was Christ. Christos is risen. Christ. Christ is risen. And Christ. Early in the morning, on the first day of the week, the women came bearing sacred syri- syri- ointments to the tomb. And when they all looked into the tomb, he was not there. In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, now and ever, forever. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, first of all, the very blessed Pascha, the very blessed Easter. We've waited for long for this Easter. It took us almost eight weeks to get here. And you must have joy in your heart because you kept the fast as best you could. And you attended some of the services, and you were preparing sincerely for our faith statement of Easter, You know, this is the greatest feast in the, our calendar. And every Sunday we come for a liturgy and receive the holy gifts. It's a little Easter. It's the way the fathers look at it. And so the propers that we use on every Sunday are the same as the propers, uh we use on Easter. So we sing the Easter psalms. And of course, for different weeks, there are particular tones. But we're always uh, celebrating Easter. Seraphim Asarov, that famous Russian mystic, Who lived at the end, until the end of the 18th century? I think he died about, well, maybe died about 1848 or so. When he greeted anybody during the year, he would greet them with Christ is risen. So he had that experience of the mystical meaning of Christ, and his heart beat for the mystical Christ even to his death. Yeah, we have different greetings for different times of the year, the opinions, but our greeting now until Ascension Thursday, or Pentecost, is Christ is risen. So you see me, you see one of the monks, or your children, or I say, Christ is risen. And you answer, he's truly risen. On this day, it's beautiful Easter, we are in snow. So maybe we should sing Christmas carols, but I don't think that would be appropriate. But certainly, a strange Easter. But last last year we had a little uh, snow, but no, we had quite a bit of snow this time. But I have to thank the young men here for making the path open, and my driver to get me down here into the church, so we can have all the major uh, services right here in this holy cathedral. This cathedral was built for daylight like today when the Lord is enthroned. And we see on the ceiling here, Christ enthroned, and all his glory. Pantocrator, the one who gave and made everything by his word. I wish I could say a word and things would come into being, or at least I can make something, but I say a lot of words. Hopefully, prayerfully, but I haven't seen anything appear to me like a dog or a cat or a kid or anything like that. But I still have today the risen Lord in my heart. I just love these days. I look forward all day. And I think my favorite season of the year is Great Lent. Although we have a new cook now, he's pretty good, thank God. And he raised nice, tasty food. Even during Lent, we had a little tasty food. Maybe the fathers would not approve how much we enjoy. We enjoyed anything during Lent, actually. It's very fine. Now each one of you who sang on baptized put on Christ, hallelujah, you put on Christ when you were baptized. Who was he? The risen Lord. What did he really look like? They don't give us a description of the risen Lord but they hint at it in the book of Apocalypse where they tell us what he appeared like in heaven. John was a great mystic, he had visions. He knew these things. He knew the Lord too personally when he walked the earth and he met him again after his resurrection. So people on earth saw the resurrection of Christ. And some scholars will say, the whole New Testament is dedicated to, to the proposition that we must know about the risen Lord. And it's very important because it permeates our whole life. It's a beautiful thing to know that even if you die, you are going to conquer death because Christ conquered death and you share his living life because you share in Christ. And that Christ, life that's in Christ is in you. But today, uh, we have all sorts of baskets here with a bus, and uh, we have special food in the regulatory to the slab tradition. Of course, we can't eat too much because we've been fasting, but it'll be nice. And we'll have all these, we'll eat the same type of food for one week because this bright week is considered one day. And every day we'll have the Matins Resurrection uh, uh, prayers and we'll have liturgy every day this week, so you can know that. We will be fed by the bread from heaven. Now, let's step back a moment and go to the tomb. The tomb is a hole in the earth. When you go to the Holy Land, when you go to where the tomb was, it's elaborate. It's evolved a keen over it, which the American uh, have put on lately. I think a rich family went and paid for it because the one that was there is sort of falling apart. And when you go into the tomb, the tomb of Christ is covered with marble. Right? So you have to kneel there and pray. And you know that that was the stone that was sanctified by the resurrection. Very sacred to us. And when they took down the uh, tiborium over the tomb to put up the new one, they kept all the old marble. And lately you can, if you know somebody, they can get you a piece of marble from the tomb. I already think I have one. The tomb is sacred to us for two, two reasons. Because Christ rose from that tomb and we know that sooner or later we're going to die. I don't think we'll have all of us will be we'll be in holy earth, or mother earth. And that's the Christian way to do things. And It says in the Old Testament, it's a holy, and thing to bury the dead. Now what were the uh, women doing when they came to the tomb? And I told you what they found. They were carrying a precious ointment with them to anoint the body of Jesus. Of course, it wasn't there. He had risen. Uh, They were very careful and even in the patristic church everybody tried to get a Christian burial. And so, in the church, we have the anointing of the sick and that's for healing and forgiveness of sin. And we have the anointing of the people who Fall asleep in the Lord, especially a priest. The first thing should be done when a priest dies, You should wash him and anoint him with oil. And usually a priest comes to do that. And uh, because this was a temple of the Holy Spirit, but the priest himself, on his soul, is an indelible mark, and it went with him to heaven the priest is even a priest in heaven and it says in the book of the apocalypse he has a golden crown and he's dressed in white and he rolls his crowns before the holy trinity it's his jewel crown i think according to his good life his good deeds so we all show you all have a little crown of some kind so decorated well by doing good deeds and staying close to the Lord. Those ladies were very close to the Lord. Why were they so close to the Lord, that small group? Because they often made his meals and prepared them for him, and they followed him where he went about. And, uh, and there was nothing suspect about that. And his mother did that. And then remember, he pre-deceased his mother, and she lived to see the resurrection. And so we sing of her the hymn, Shine and Splendor, O New Jerusalem, that's dedicated to the Mother of God. So in your prayers, you don't say the other prayer, you know, uh, to our lady, you say shine sunshine and splendor. And in your prayers before after you bless God, then you say the uh, Easter greeting three times before. There is no kneeling. So we come to a penitential season, unless your spiritual father gives you frustration for penance. But he probably won't do that during the bright season of Holy Post. When Christ came forth from the tomb, we all came forth from the tomb. He prepared a way that on the last day, we'll even get a new body. It won't likely be like this old decrepit body that I have or you have with your pains and your suffering. We've got pain and suffering inherited from original sin. It'll be a glorified body. So I asked in uh, theology class where the professor said, will we recognize those we love? Well, in Eastern Church, we always say we will. And uh, it would be great. And they're going to look at you And they're going to say, wow, look at the clothes he got in heaven. Must be he did a good job. Must be he made a very good journey to this heavenly place. So Jesus' post-visitation after the resurrection was to ensure us of the reality of the resurrection and the reality of the afterlife. To encourage us and also to encourage his disciples which says in scripture they were all scared. They were out hiding they were scared to death because they thought maybe the Sanhedrin or the high priest or somebody could put them to death and they thought they were next because they would be next because they'd all be martyred but not that quick they had work to do the same work you have to do to spread the knowledge of Jesus Christ and he is risen that's your job we live in a society that Christians are not saying the words of faith as they should. The result being that we're not living in a pagan nation. It never was a Christian nation, so it's been pagan. Most of the people who came and developed the United States, believe it or not, were Christians. They were from France, Spain, England. They, all those people who came here were Christians. But somehow, we, we forget our roots in the name of nonsense. This is not the nonsense that is just harmless. This is great, great harm. So, periods these days are pulling their hair because their people are not evangelizing. The only thing that we're supposed to be evangelizing is telling them about the resurrection and how to live that life. It's a glorious life. And I think a lot about the uh, holidays. I remember when I was a young man, I thought to myself, well, it would be a terrible world if it came holidays. I couldn't imagine that. I couldn't imagine people living on the earth without religious holidays the beautiful holidays we have. So the signs of Easter in the church is on. The royal doors are open. That signifies that heaven is open to us. The little doors on the side in the north and south door may be closed, but not the central door. That's usually um, left open for the entire time. They don't close them exactly when we go in. Of our peace. The other thing is the flowers, the bright vestments, the candles. All these things bespeak the love we have for Christ and of His glorious resurrection. And as a pastor, I've decked the whole church with flowers, it's like a garden. Because He rose in a garden, and He came out of the tomb. Probably more than likely, He was in bloom beautiful. I don't know what the seasons are in the Holy Land, but I think they have spring now. So it's sort of nice that we have all these beautiful decorations and we also have to thank the people who help here to make sure we have beautiful decorations. Now, the foods that you eat this Sunday are the ones you abstain from uh, all of Lent. So we're allowed to eat Products and we don't we don't have to fast on Wednesday, uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. None of those things until the fifty days is over. We might fast a little for Pentecost, but Pentecost is the culmination of the sending of the Holy Spirit. That was not possible until Christ is risen. So one of the ladies in the garden gospel. John, I believe, says that she wants to touch him. No. It was in the garden. It was in the resurrection gospel. And he said, don't touch me. I'm not yet ascended. And that's a mystery. So the passion, death, and resurrection the, re- the and ascension are one piece. The ascension took place right away. But then he came back and visited amongst us and then ascended again. So we don't always know that. So In the calendar, we keep the ascension in separate feats, but that's really his second ascension. What happened to him? Well, we preached the other day. First of all, he did uh, was open the doors of the underworld. And uh, everybody was really joyful to see him. He probably dressed him up nice, too, gave him white clothes. And uh, Brought him up, and they ran into town. They probably were giving the message of the evangelist, and the evangelium: Christ is risen. That's the greatest message we can give, especially on this feast day. So the resurrection is a, is a reason for baptism, remission, eucharist, deification, ascetical life which is a prayerful, undisciplined life, that we shouldn't be always living. And is it's because we want to be these, these Easter people marked with the glory and beauty of the Easter communion. So I know people are very anxious to live a good pre- Christian life. I don't know how anxious you are Fall asleep in the Lord. It's sort its not our nature. God didn't make us for death; He made us for life. But one should not be afraid, because Christ is risen, and we are sharing in that resurrection of all. So, Pius the uh, wrote an encyclical, Mystic Corporis, and he explained in there how he—we all share in the body of Christ. We're all part of the body of Christ. And that is through the life of grace in the soul. And also, the sanctifying graces that we receive through the sacraments, so that we are transformed. But sometimes we don't always act like we're transformed. Sometimes we, we act sort of knocking. But we should always remember, well, I am the body of Christ. He has risen, and I am risen. And even as I die, Paul says, I shall live because Christ is missing. We read the homily of St. John Chrysostom. He was very concerned that everybody was treated well on Easter, even if they did not have the best right. length and they didn't keep the fast. These holy uh, services that we celebrate in the Byzantine church. Uh, affected by the the uh, architectural building of the excuse me, basilica of the Resurrection, where the tomb of Christ is. You go there. You go in the door, the proper place. You see an altar there, and uh, on that and that's an altar with the cross. Some mystical things about that spot. It is believed that the head of Adam, when they found it, they buried it in that. So that altar is on on top of the um, head of our ancient father, Adam. And above that, of course, there's a a cross. It's an altar, the holy cross. And the priest, I don't know, I've never celebrated liturgy there, but so you can celebrate with an altar there. You could celebrate liturgy. You just walk a few steps, like from here to the back of the temple, and there's a slab. And that slab looks like marble, and I, uh, especially when the Orthodox go. they incense that altar, the incense that slept, that's where Jesus laid to be anointed after he died. Uh, then you go on in and you see the place of the resurrection. And there are several other shrines in there. That's the way we celebrate our liturgy, according to those, in the Basilica. There's a nun who wrote a book of her pilgrimage to the uh, <coughs> for Jerusalem and she gives us the example of how the liturgy was celebrated. And of course the Byzantine churches have always celebrated and prayed that. So part of our liturgical uh, you know, inheritance comes from Liturgy that was in the Basilica there, which was built by Constantine the Great, St. Constantine the Great, and, and, and it was marked the steps of Christ. So that's pretty uh, interesting that our liturgy is working out the same liturgy, especially around Easter, that was done by the Apostles in the Apostolic Church of the Resurrection. The other thing is that. You should not be uh, concerned that you have fallen uh, in, in the past year for sins. You'd be concerned that this is a new beginning of your personal resurrection, and you really shouldn't do anything with your body. It's a sacred uh, because it is the body of Christ. As Christ the twelve tells us in the Mystical Theories, you and He are one. So you, too, are present in the resurrection at the throne of God the Father in heaven and the Holy Spirit. You're always wrapped in that reality. And you must look forward, not with fear, but with joy, to the going there. When you fight days on earth have ended, and that will happen because although they think they can do anything with medicine and surgery and such, it's not true the body gradually wears out. And then the beauty of your soul, that noble soul, is taken by Christ to the heavenly kingdom. That's his business. That's his, you're his business. So I remember, I think I told you the story before, we were giving communion out with the deacons in downtown New York with the hospitals. We'd go Sunday to the hospital and help get the communion out and we went to one uh, room and there was a little boy there who was very sick and we brought him to the union. I went to, two of us were two deacons together. The other deacon gave us He says, He said, no, no deacon. He thought we were priests. He called us father. We did not correct him. He says, fathers, don't be afraid. He was th- thought we were afraid because he was dying. So he just said we're here with you, to give you I know and I said I look forward to it he also said remember I'm going to be in heaven with Jesus he was eight years old and beautiful faith and he catechized by his parents and family and he was ready to go that's a wonderful wonderful way to be I don't know if I'm that way. I'm not too sure of so. I have a dear friend now in Seattle. an all Olympia. actually. He's pretty sick because his body's worn out. So they're doing everything they can to keep him alive. And... Uh, About dying, they ask you to sign a lot of papers in the hospital when you're really not well. And they ask you for things like organs or give you an organ donor, missing that. Don't sign that. Right here in Walla Walla, there was a woman in the hospital, and I used to work with doctors. We'd make moral decisions together, and she was unconscious. And uh, the, the insurance company wanted to turn, she was on support, life support, and the doctors wanted to turn it off because it's expensive. And the family wanted to turn it off because it'd be expensive, not to have too much money, and this and that. So they called me, and I said, "You can't turn it off." said, you know, she's alive, and you put her in that machine to keep her alive, so don't be shocked. So I got a call the next week, and she was up, and she walked out of the hospital. Why are they so anxious to kill you when you're still alive? Because it's the best way to get fresh organs from you. Be careful. In another case, I went to a woman knowing her husband who he was pretty sick. They were waiting outside the door these people that collect organs. And uh, I went into the room, I didn't pay attention to him, I went in to anoint him, and she says, Father, what should I do? I said, don't sign the papers. You may come back, you may be okay. Let me tell you, has the right to give you death, the one who gave you your soul. He you put the soul in your body, and you got your first breath. Nobody knows where the first breath comes from. I talked to a nurse about it. She says, they don't know where the first breath comes from. And when it's your time to go, you will come and slip your body, your soul out of your body, from your heart. And it will be beautiful. And you'll make your journey. And you'll see the Taboric light. You may see angels and saints. Always pray for a happy death. Even if you're in pain and sorrow, that's not for nothing. joining Christ in his preparation for the passion that's the resurrection, and that's our passion. My mother, when she was dying, I'd sit next to the bed to her and talk to her and say the rosary with her. And uh, she said, What did I do wrong? She I said, I said, You did nothing wrong. You've always gone to confession. I say you've tried to straighten up your life especially when you got older. And I I said to her, Mom, you're on your journey. You're going through your calvary so you can get to the resurrection. No amount of tinkering is going to keep you from there. And no amount of wishing Christ, the witness his promise to take your beautiful soul to heaven. And eventually, in the second coming, you rise again, and you'll have a beautiful body. Because why? Because Christ is risen, and he had a much beautiful body. It was even more beautiful than he, when he walked the earth teaching his disciples. So what was lost? in paradise is restored in the Christian church, the Catholic church, through sacraments, asceticism, and the resurrection. Those are the things that God gave us to be not afraid of us dying or the pains we suffer. I love that fact that my body will be glorified like Christ Will you look like in heaven, Christ? Will life be beautiful? Will there be food if you need it? Angels don't eat. I don't know if we eat or not. But so if we need that, we'll have everything we need in heaven. So that's another great reason to glorify yourself and have a nice meal today to celebrate your destiny to eat the banquet and the kingdom of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, where there's no pain or sorrow in the holy life of our See, but well, what will happen after in heaven? You'll be praising God as you should be now. Our prayers should be constant. Pray always. Pray with everything you do. Say a prayer when you go to work, when you start to do something. Know that God is with you. The other reason I think for us to be joyful today is that we have many people whom we love, and it's difficult. They fall asleep, and the priest usually gets the undertaker. He takes them and embalms them, or whatever you want, and he paints them up so they look pretty good. He puts them in their dress clothes or something. You should be put in the shroud, actually. Unless you're a priest or something, you should be put in vestments. But you can be put in whatever you want. I used to think when I was a child, are we going to be in those clothes when we get to heaven? What are we going to do? Are we going to be in new clothes in heaven, not those clothes? You know, Adam and Eve were clothed in light. And they were, they were naked in the garden. And then when Jesus came and talked to them, he asked them, why did you hide yourself? And he said, because we were naked. He said, who told you you were naked? That's concupiscence. There's no concupiscence in heaven. And you're going to be glorious there. Beautiful, shining, <coughs> loving, and constant joy. Ecstasy. The great ecstasy of the church is the resurrection. In a few moments, minutes, minute will come forward and you receive the body and blood of our Lord. It is the resurrected body of the Lord that you receive. Body, soul, and divinity. Because he's in heaven resurrected, the marks of his suffering are on his body but they're like glorious jewels and he shows them to the Father and from the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit there's produced mystical grace deifying grace and it comes down upon us so even today Jesus Christ is praying for your resurrection and he's happy for us that we recognize his birth death, passion, and resurrection. I think it's sad for the world because everybody is not baptized Christian. Everybody is not chrismated and received the body and blood of the Lord. What I can't understand is how a person could leave the church when they're leaving behind Jesus Christ's body blood of any In every tabernacle, in every Catholic church, of every rite. And He's there primarily to feed you on it, to give you new life. So, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the resurrected life. For even this day, it is with us the Holy Easter Communion, the Holy Sacrament of love, the Holy Sacrament of union, peace, and tranquility. If we could just bring this to the whole world, there would be no more strife in the In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.